All right, welcome to a revitalization of the Broken to Unbroken podcast. After I was a lazy asshole for several months, um, but I'm here at the Iron Zoo uh, with Victor, and Victor's been a longtime friend. Um, Victor's been to my wedding. He's been uh, on the table at the office a few times, uh, and Victor's got a kind of a great story, and I always reference Victor. Uh, when people kind of start having a pity party of one, if they start having uh, some back pain and uh, Victor's been one of the, the main success stories when I'm having a, a bad day at work and I'm like, oh man, like, I don't know how much I'm actually helping people. And then I see Victor moving huge weight on Instagram. Uh, and I remember when Victor couldn't walk and couldn't do anything without crazy shooting pain into the heel. So um, you guys don't want to hear from me because you've heard verbal diarrhea out of my mouth for way too long. So without further ado, Victor. <laughs> well, hello there, uh, internet world. So um, I don't really have a huge script or anything like that. Um, basically, when I met Nick, I was very much into some sort of mix between running and CrossFit. and um, it was actually post uh, injury. So uh, I had been doing CrossFit for about a year. And somewhere in that time frame, I wound up having a pretty severe uh, back injury. And it was one of three, I think, right? There were three. Um, it, it was pretty frustrating. So um, I don't necessarily blame CrossFit. I know like sometimes I make jabs, but I try not to. Um, <laughs> it's really a much more deeper uh, thing than that. And uh, I'm also happen to be a big time computer nerd. So um, one of the things uh, with that pairing is that I was sitting quite a bit. And uh, when you sit a bit, it obviously changes how your body kind of responds to what it considers normal. Um, so in that process of being more active, more, you know, taking care of my health, uh, so to speak. Uh, part of that, unfortunately, um, happened to coincide with just having a very tight body from doing my day job. Um, so uh, when I ran into Nick, he was super awesome because he gave me so many things to think about that um, I wasn't kind of hearing about from other folks. So um, it was a lot more insightful in terms of like, these are the things that kind of can lead to the issue that you're having. And so uh, when you're in a lot of pain, obviously you just want to be out of it no matter what. Um, but uh, there was a pretty long stretch there where um, I would say everything feels very frustrating. So uh, I'm going to just lay out the sequence of events that way you kind of know. So um, I believe it was uh, December ish. I had my first kind of like, dance with back injury pain and it was kind of minimal then somewhere uh in the march time frame i was doing some back squats boom i had radiating pain into my spine um and it, it wound up causing like all of this um uh, just intense pain that i could feel in my back and it started kind of going down into my foot um that that one was still kind of tame <laughs> ironically so I was still not quite that bad. I was like, okay, we can, we can work through this. So uh, Nick gave me lots of great advice in terms of how to move, how to hold myself, how to do all these things. 
And we'll, we'll get into that more, if, if, you know, but right now, just trying to give the sequence. And then uh, somewhere along the lines of like three-ish months later, uh, whatever, uh, I wound up doing the Murph workout, which, I mean, <laughs> it sounds crazy to some people. It sounds not that crazy to other people um, because it's it's mostly body weight movement. So you're doing body weight squats, uh, you know, push-ups and pull-ups, and you're just running. So you know, when you don't have maximal back pain, you're like, well, maybe a body weight workout would be great. Like, you know, moving around. So the problem was, is that it was just so excessive and I didn't consult anybody. I just decided it was a good idea. (laughs) And probably Nick would have told me not to do this. Um, (laughs) But uh, I wound up doing, uh, you know, in excess of 300 squats, right? Um, And that in conjunction with a weakened disc wound up, I believe, and I'm not, you know, saying I can't prove anecdotally, but um, I believe that caused material to shoot out into my spine. That was the final nail in the coffin in terms of total pain. Um, so after that weekend, I wound up being in tears on the floor pretty much every day. Um, <laughs> it's a pretty dark place. I don't like to think about it. I don't like to talk about it. Um, there's a reason that I don't have a lot of stuff on social media. Uh, it's mostly because it is a, um, it's a very hard thing to talk about and like people don't realize it. So, um, when you can't get around and, uh, you know, nobody really asks how you're doing other than maybe Nick every once in a while, you know, you kind of start to lose faith in people. Um, so. And you get people that, that (laughs) bitch about quarantining with a full, like library of Netflix and Hulu and Disney plus, uh, and they feel fine and they're bitching that they can't go out to a rave, but like when there's nothing that can cut the pain down, uh, and you just like, can't find a comfortable position and you're like flat on your back on the floor and your only friend and companion is an ice pack. Uh, and like put that in perspective of like, the most shitty quarantine ever times about a thousand. Uh, and it lasted longer than any quarantine period. Um, so I like the first time I met Victor, like I knew that he was kind of in the process of a transition period. Cause you were a very talented runner, right? Yeah. Like you, you did a lot of running and, and coaching, running, helping runners. So you've got the, the tissues that need to be developed for running and tight for running to be an efficient runner, that too. Uh, plus the tissues that have accommodated in length to being a desk worker, mm-hmm. uh, then switching gears to more of a, a high intensity interval training, metabolic conditioning, CrossFit style workout. Uh, I think that that just kind of shocked your system. Sure did. Because uh, I've learned a couple things about Victor over the years that Victor never does anything less than 120%. Uh, but Victor also like he, he dives in full and when, when like you, if you try and be 10 out of 10 good at everything from running to CrossFit to this or that, or the other thing, like you gotta be a special kind of guy to own a 200 pound kettlebell that I'm about 10 feet away from. Um, so if that gives you any idea of the kind of guy Victor is like that, that presents a lot of good things because that's what makes him good at his job. Uh, but that also presents some challenges. It for sure does. <laughs> and another thing I found out about Victor is I had to be careful about how much I told Victor 
because I told Victor, like when he stands to squeeze his glutes and abs and like, that's it was 120 percent. That's what I'll do. <laughs> versus, like he, like it was like glute squeeze with an 800 pound hip thrust while he was standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, I need to put some parameters here. And you're not the only one that's like that. There are very analytical people, and I can usually peg them by what they do for a living. Right. For um, sure. Because people don't get good at being an engineer or being in IT without being very detail-oriented, analytical people. And if you give someone too many things to obsess over, like you can drive them nuts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, you should be casually aware of this. And they take that and they're like, I need to to do this 100% all the time. All the time. So I'm like, all right, like let, I kind of over-cued you in the early stages. And then it's like, all right, we need to think less. Like, don't think <laughs> about how you're walking. Don't think about how you're doing this all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's been a, a learning process for both like you and me. Cause sure. it's like, okay, like I got to, I, I can peg those patients now in 30 seconds. I'm not going to tell them everything that they're doing wrong, or they're just going to think that they need to just drive their car off a bridge. Mm-hmm. Cause they're like, Oh, I don't breathe right. I don't sit right. I don't stand right. Which, yeah. And I mean, the cues were really helpful though, because yeah. I will say that, um, when you, when you did teach me about holding myself during the day, it did wind up anecdotally re- reducing pain. I mean, like I, I can't like sit there and, you know, do a trial or something, but it, it definitely doing those things helps. So then you think, well, if that helped maybe 110% or 120% of that will help more. And, yeah. and, you know, he's not wrong in the fact that like you tell certain folks to do something, sometimes they take it to the nth degree. Um, I yeah, I'm definitely yeah. guilty. <laughs> and that's the same kind of personality and reason why David Goggins has rods and screws in his tibia right now. And he's got an inch of pitting edema on his shin and he's carrying dumbbells across his, right. his, his garage. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a delicate balance, but I like, Victor's one of the only people that it will probably ever happen in 11 and a half years that I, on multiple occasions, like I told Victor, I like almost begged Victor to go get back surgery. You did. And I'm like, dude, like if we let this thing, if we let this nerve wither on the vine, you could have to wear an AFO uh, or an ankle foot arthrosis due to foot drop. You could have atrophy of muscles. We could have irreversible nerve damage. Uh, and my paradigm kind of changed when I saw that people can get through this. Not everybody can because not everybody has like the, the knowledge, the resources and the motivation yeah. to do what Victor did. Um, and not everyone had the starting baseline level of fitness mm-hmm. that Victor did. Um, not everyone has the good habits that, that Victor did. So, um, I can't put everyone to that measuring stick going, Oh, everyone, if they just ignore a disc, that's a third herniated into the canal, right. that's just like half full Nelsoning the nerve, um, that we just leave it alone because Victor got better mm-hmm. um, because he's kind of an outlier, but it's a, it's a good outlier to see how you're able to, to help people here in this gym and the, the gym kind of morphed like you did to right. where it used to be like an endurance based gym to yes. where you did strength training for, so 
one question that I have is like, how has the gym evolved and how does that kind of parallel your evolution <laughs> and what you enjoy and, and excel at in the, in the fitness scene? For sure. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And honestly, one that I don't get asked a lot. Um, so, uh, as I kind of mentioned way earlier, uh, I used to coach running and I used to run quite a bit. Uh, I've run, I believe nine to 10 full marathons. I coached, uh, several. So the, when you're coaching, sometimes you run 40, 50 miles. So technically those would be ultras, but we're not saying that I'm not claiming that. <laughs> and then, um, I'll let you claim it. <laughs> and then, um, I've ran something like 20 halves or something like that. Um, and I originally got started, uh, raising money with LLS. So, uh, I used to do the leukemia lymphoma society, which was really helpful because you're raising money for blood cancer. So that was a nice kind of cherry on top. Um, the metamorphosis kind of came when I saw there was like this huge benefit to strength training for runners. I wouldn't say like, you know, it's going to change their life, you know, so to speak, but there's definitely some aspects where you're, you're seeing some people that you take that are coming from the couch and they want to go run you know, a 5k or a 10k, or they want to do a half. And I kept seeing these uh, iterations of like, I heard this, I heard that I did this, I did that. And you watch the running form. And it's kind of like, what is this? You know, you don't you don't really say that, but you think it. And um, so I, I, I found CrossFit had um, some parallels with this thing called pose running, which is what kind of got me to kind of go into the CrossFit realm. Um, so, uh, and I realized I could just do pose, but I obviously, as Nick said, I like to go 120%. So I saw um, Brian McKenzie uh, and his whole program there. Uh, what was it? Unbroken something. He had Unbroken Runner. Yeah, Unbroken Runner. Uh, yeah. Unbreakable Runner. Yeah. So I was very inspired by that. I saw a lot of parallels with CrossFit and running and pose and all this cool stuff. So I tried to apply that. Um, at the time, I was definitely running a lot more. I think I would do some uh, shorter races like 10Ks in conjunction with doing CrossFit and everything else, which, I mean, honestly, it's a lot on the body. I wouldn't, I wouldn't highly recommend that for somebody. Do not do what I did. Um, <laughs> caution. Do not try this at home. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, I had no life. I was sleeping a lot more than you realize. Um, <laughs> so somewhere in that, in that time frame after um, is when I kind of really discovered um, some of the deeper stuff with the, the strength sides of fitness. So I think when uh, my injury occurred, that's when the gym kind of had to hit this kind of nexus, so to speak. So um, like with some of the stuff from Stuart McGill and some other folks, you kind of see like there's hope uh, for people that have like a back injury. So I couldn't really leave the house. So what I wound up doing was bringing people that I was coaching for marathons to my house. <laughs> that's where the gym started. It's not some sort of like, oh, this guy's running the gym. It really just came about because I couldn't get around. It was easier for them to come to me. Um, so I had them strength training and doing pose drills, which was much easier for me to facilitate at the time. Um, and so while I'm doing that, I'm also researching other methods of training besides pose, besides CrossFit, besides this and that. And so um, I know you can't see the other half of the gym. There's some West Side gear in here uh, or West Side inspired, but it's definitely patented. We'll do a little <laughs> fan of white circle at the end yeah. uh, so that everyone can see the gym. Yeah, there's there's a, a Brett Contreras uh, throw over here. Um, and there's just, there's just a lot of like, um, I tried to kind of see what each little area of fitness. And I at one point I had uh, Olympic lifting 
more Olympic lifting gear in here. Uh, I don't do that so much anymore, but I've kind of, um, you know, tried these different realms. And uh, I would say, I don't really know where I'm going with that other than <laughs> the, uh, the strength realm itself. There's a lot of potential there in, in the long term. So I think traditional strength training has huge benefits, um, especially when you're talking about sport, athleticism, uh, general fitness. There, there's so much there to, um, to learn and, and dig into. And if you apply that to even just your, your desk job worker, like I know people see me lifting heavy weight now and sometimes they don't realize like, oh, this guy, like they just think I always lifted heavy weight. But ironically, you guys think I was always this strong guy and I'm not. Um, but the thing is people will see that and they get hugely intimidated. They're like, well, I don't want to lift like that or I'm going to get hurt or, you know, and it's, it's almost a detractor and it's like they don't realize that their body is capable um, of doing those things over time. So it's like, you don't just go in and, and squat 300, you come in and you, you know, learn the mechanics of the movement. You, you take it slow and, and try to make the body move better uh, with time. So, um, and strength, like a couple points is when I was listening to a podcast by Mark Ripito and he hates running, uh, cause he's just like, all right, five sets of five, drink a gallon of milk, yes. add five pounds, uh, like no accessory movements, uh, in people get really strong, uh, in strength is in, he had an interesting point because he's like, yeah, it's a, like, if you want to run, I think it's dumb, but you can run. Uh, but it's a lot easier to get someone strong and then have them go run mm -hmm. rather than like training running while you're trying to get strong. Like it detracts yeah. to where it's like, okay, you're, you're allocating resources to both and you're going to be kind of half ass at both. Um, so his philosophy is get really strong. And then you have the ability to do anything you want better. Uh, and the analogy that I use in the office is like the stronger you are, the bigger like capacity you have to do more stuff. So if you're not strong, it's like going camping with a smart car. <laughs> like you can bring like a tiny little duffel bag and some trail mix versus if you're really strong, it's like going camping in a 40 foot RV. Like you could bring a lot more cool toys. Uh, you can you can be a lot more comfortable. You have a bigger buffer before those tissues hit their failure capacity. To where, like, I have a guy that's seventy five years old and he's still deadlifting and squatting every day at Lifetime, and like he fell down like a double black diamond ski hill and had like some bruises and like I think he cracked a rib. And then you get this like 55 year old that smokes and like drinks diet Cokes, goes to Whataburger three times a day, doesn't exercise. Uh, the only way they get their heart rate up is if they go to the track and they bet their rent uh, and they step off a curb and they break five bones in their foot and they're in a boot for six weeks and then they can't walk normally. So it's like curb, ski hill, not strong, strong. It's just kind of like that extra buffer. And then you get a lot of other <clears throat> adaptations from a cardiovascular standpoint. And just, I've seen people that are really strong and they get in car wrecks 
and you just have more muscle mass to buffer force. And it's like, all right, like I've seen some of my strongman competitors get just drilled Mm -hmm. and they're just like, all right, like I, I feel fine. Like the airbag hit me in the face, but other than that, I'm, I feel good. And then you get someone who weighs 80 pounds, it gets in half of that wreck and Mm -hmm. it's just like, it takes them six months to even feel like they, they feel any improvement just For because sure. there's no muscle mass there to, to help mm-hmm. buffer the force. Exactly. So as far as like strength training is like with your clients here in the gym, what movements, what <laughs> body parts, like in, I, I bet, I mean, there's some people that want to get strong. There are some people that want aesthetics, but I think that those kind of go hand in hand. They do. Uh, and I think that you kind of took the concepts that I taught you of like, all right, you need core control, you need tons of glute strength, you need anterior hip mobility, um, and you just ran with them to where you turned your rehab into training. Mm-hmm. And you've just loaded those concepts to where instead of squeezing the glutes at 120%, right. you're just making sure that they're really freaking strong. Mm-hmm. And you've just taken those rehab concepts and kind of gradually over time folded them in with fitness concepts. And now you're kind of like, all right, like a bridge does nothing for me. Right. So I need to do some version of a bridge with an 800 pound loaded barbell at the waist. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you can't really see the other things in here. It might be worth a little tour, but um, that is the hip thrust from Brett Contreras. And then it's actually a smaller barbell. Um, I have hip thrusted that for 800 pounds. I don't want to jinx it, but I was going to maybe try 900 in December. Um, (laughs) So uh, anecdotally, uh, I enjoy getting people strong without necessarily having to fix 110% of their mobility. So um, I do like to teach them the concepts of the mobility. So uh, maybe as part of their first visit here, we'll learn about how to breathe a little bit better, hold hold their core embraced. Um, we might look at their feet because that's one of the things that uh, I was really into with the running. So like sometimes we'll work on foot mobility. So I'll have them roll out their foot. There's a little slant board back there. I'll have them stand on that and learn how to like hold themselves in a neutral position. But for the most part, uh, if they can't squat properly to depth, sometimes what I'll have them do is actually use that hip thrust as an alternative. And so um, I think in general, I try to find movements that can kind of uh, get that person stronger without having to have that full flexibility right away. So that's not to say that I don't have them squat. I do. Um, But if they can only squat the bar or squat the bar with some lightweight plates um, in the short term, they can get strong as fuck. I mean, yeah. I don't know if we can say fuck on here, but we just did. Well, we did. So, <laughs> but yeah, you can get strong as an ox uh, using the, the the hip thrust in the meantime. So uh, same thing like with the deadlifts. Sometimes I will have folks do a sumo just because it's a little bit easier for them to maintain a neutral spine. Um, and, you know, doing an RDL, we might do it with dumbbells versus having them load up with a barbell just because I don't like having to put that kind of stress on their body for no reason. Um, So it it really comes down to like, you know, I I try to look at each person that comes in here. How can I get them stronger and uh, more flexible as quickly as possible? And it doesn't always necessarily um, mean some of the more traditional approaches, I I suppose. And it doesn't take me more than like 15 seconds to see some areas where like 
Victor's able to achieve movement with a, a vast variety of like limitations. Like there's a safety squat bar over there. There's a yep. trap bar. Uh, so if you get people that have a hard time positioning with a conventional deadlift or their back doesn't like that sheer loading with a long lever arm, they can still deadlift and pick heavy crap up off the ground with a trap bar mm -hmm. uh, with less risk of injury. And let's say somebody's coming off of a, a shoulder injury, then they can safety squat without having to really get into that that like low bar back squat position. He's got a belt squat uh, pulley system over there to where someone can have their arm in a sling <laughs> from still a shoulder surgery. Mm -hmm and still squat like i had one of my baseball players doing that that tore his ucl and we couldn't get him in the front rack position but we also couldn't put that same stress that mm -hmm. tore the ucl on it with yeah. here yeah and they also like if you've ever had any like golfer elbow pain it doesn't feel good to squeeze in to do like a goblet squat but so, the belt squats, he was able to maintain his leg strength. And we may want to just show them too, because if you're watching this, if you have the capability to watch this, you can kind of get an idea of what's in here. Because it's it really, we just see the back otherwise. So there's all the bars. There's even, a, I, I got a brand new deadlift bar too. That's that's mostly for me in setting PRs, but. So <laughs> if there are any like people that like cool quality fitness gear uh, for this part of the episode, you may want to kind of grab a towel and go to the bathroom because this is pretty cool. <laughs> so we got our plates and then our big boy kettlebells in there. Yeah, I've got, I've got pretty much all the iterations. So once I hit 100, I just jump by 50. So it's 100, 150, 200. But then I have all the, the smaller iterations other than the 60 and the 80. And then here. So this guy's the, the belt squat. So this is a pretty cool thing. So this is actually built right into the, the power rack. And uh, it, they, they worked in conjunction with Rogue and Louis Simmons. So they've got the, the belt squat all built into this and it just has a little pulley mechanism. So you just kind of come in here. And you pull it up, pull back. And then if you're squatting in here right with the belt, it'll just kind of work like that. So it's a much, much safer approach too, because I used to do it on boxes and like, woo, that's a yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a trip. And then he's got his other new toy. Well, that's one of your older toys, right? Well, it's a beginning of the year toy. This okay. is the the rogue donkey. So the rogue donkey is pretty slick. So it's got the GHD portion on top here, and then they've again partnered with Louis Simmons, right? And then they got the reverse hyper. Um, it's fantastic because you can do quite a few movements on here, including, you know, you can even do some leg extensions and things like that. Um, but obviously, we don't want to bastardize anything from uh, Louis Simmons. <laughs> and then we showed you guys the the, the hip bridge Contreras rig. Yes. Um, it's a great purchase, by the way. It saves so much time. And uh, when you're learning the hip thrust, too, having the consistent setup is a huge game changer because... When you're always having to hustle the weight up onto a, a higher bench and things like that. You don't really engage your glutes properly. Um, so having the appropriate height and setup is actually a lot more important than you would think for that movement. So pretty cool setup, very efficient use of the space. Uh, and I like the fact that you can see that there's 
a lot of thought going into it on regressions. And I think that both like experience with injuries makes us better trainers, but it also makes me a better doctor because it's like, okay, like I've had a lot of these problems in the past. So not to Victor's level, uh, but not many people have had the problem to Victor's level that haven't just gone. Like, I'm not going to call it the easy way because I was the one that begged him to go get surgery. Right. Uh, Multiple doctors begged me. Huh? Yeah. Because, we, I mean, it's not like he laid on my table a couple times and then I begged him to go get surgery. We exhausted every other option from medications, mm -hmm. injections, like mm -hmm. everything. We, yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole slew of things. Like I, uh, so even the, the pain management, uh, doctor, he typically will not do more than three epidural injections. I had four done to give you an idea and the pain still did not go away. Uh, so that, that should tell you a lot right there. Um, and that was over, I mean, just to do those epidurals, that's over the course of four months. So you have a minimum of four months of intense pain, uh, while on medication, which is not that is, it's a shitty experience. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you've ever been on gabapentin, it's hard to think and perform at a high level and do a very cerebral job mm -hmm. that you have to account for picky details when you're on gabapentin. Yeah. It's not an easy drug to think on. Uh, and this was also part of something that I, <coughs> excuse me, I learned not COVID. Um, <laughs> so it's what I learned in 2018, there was a, a large scale study that came out saying that the larger the disc herniation, it had a higher likelihood of spontaneous resorption, which means it doesn't like suck back into the disc space. A lot of times what'll happen is the fragment will do what we call sequester to where it'll break off and it kind of pinball Pac-Man's around. And then the immune system recognizes that as a foreign invader. Mm -hmm. So it'll send in macrophages and all these other immune tissues uh, that are not normally present because that's kind of a, the epidural space is kind of like a, a very, like it's a very sterile area to where anything that is in there that isn't supposed to be in there, mm -hmm. it's a huge threat because that has direct access to your brain. Exactly. Because that circulates up through the ventricles of your brain, around your nerves. It's, it, it bathes everything. So if there's something in there that isn't supposed to be in there, the body just goes, all right, we got to get that out of there. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a lot of research now to show that uh, in I've had some arguments with some neurosurgeons because they'll flat out deny that it ever happens. And these are smart people. They're top of the food chain of the medical world. And I'm like, okay, this study came out in 2018. Like here it is. Yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, like, I mean, I, we, we actually did get the follow-up MRI and uh, in, in my case, it actually did exactly what Nick is saying that after the course of a year, it was no longer present. So, I mean, I'm not in a trial. I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying like, to do what I, again, like I'm not a good person to like necessarily always follow in the steps of, but, um, but it, in this, I mean, <laughs> this is a podcast, like I, I'm not Joe Rogan. I'm not going to give medical advice, uh, on a podcast because Joe Rogan can tell people what to do all the time. He's not a doctor. Uh, so he doesn't have the liability. 
Uh, I am a doctor, but this is not medical advice. I'm not saying that this is an example to follow. It's just mm -hmm. a very inspiring outlier. Yes. Uh, but there's a lot of unique things that make Victor tick that made it work. Uh, that not a lot of other people could come up with that exact same combination of things. But it, it is a really, like, it's, it's just a really good, like, example of what, like, all right, trying to maintain a, an attitude of hope when there's not much there on uh, trying to remain as positive as possible when there's not much th to be positive about. Mm -hmm. And then just like going, okay, like um, persistent consistency, like celebrating small victories and just like going, because I remember you sending me videos of like, <laughs> man, I, I'm, I'm able to squat to a box with just body weight. Right. I'm able to get to parallel with the barbell. Mm -hmm. Those are I, huge, I got, those are huge wins. Like it's like, I got 135 <laughs> pounds on the bar for the first time in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, in just those incremental gains, like when you see what he can lift now, you didn't see the process of like, what was it? Five years ago when it was like, at least it's like, all right, air squat. Yeah. That's a victory. Yeah. Um, and this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like this mm -hmm. is, our bodies are not Amazon prime. <laughs> like they do not respond overnight. And uh, another saying that I have is there's no shortcut to anywhere worth going. Right. It's like good things take time. They do. And, and you really have to, I, it, it, it's difficult because when you're in those situations, like you said, you're very much in a potentially dark space. So uh, I don't want to negate some of the things because uh, pain medication for sure helped get me to do things throughout the day. Um, I'm not going to say it didn't, but it also is kind of counterproductive to moving better and feeling better. So one of the things, and we didn't really touch on it, and again, not medical advice, but um, for me, as we were talking about with that, um, the fragment in the spine, I think it's very important also to think about, uh, since it, it is treated as a, uh, invader, so to speak. Uh, one of the things that I really wanted to do was get off of the uh, pain medicine, no matter how much pain I was in, because I felt like it was slowing down my digestive tract. And, you know, that is tied to your immune system to some degree, again, not medical advice, <laughs> but, um, you know, I tried to eat uh, a certain way too. So I, I didn't put my body through a lot of uh, inflammation foods, causing foods. Uh, I tried to avoid alcohol for a long time. Uh, so I, I think I avoided alcohol for almost two years. Um, there's just a lot of things there where I tried to put my body in the most uh, positive state I could with the knowledge that I had. So it doesn't mean that doing those things is, you know, going to change your life. But um, I tried to put myself in a very positive state to help those small victories kind of happen day to day because it's like, it's not just like you do have to show up, but there's also like, what am I doing to help my body get there every day too? Am I sleeping enough? Am I recovering enough? Like, and, am I helping my body to, to be in that healthy state? And even just as simple as going for a walk sometimes, which is, I know like if you follow me on Instagram, like you'll see, uh, you know, I, I tap walking a lot now instead of running and it's not a jab at running. It's just that I feel like we don't move enough throughout the day. A lot of us sit at a desk job. We're just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. We go be fit for an hour and then we go back to sitting. And it's like, how is that putting me in a position to be, uh, you know, 
more like a healthy human. Like healthy humans are meant to get some sun. They're meant to walk around, uh, hunter gather type thing. So, um, you know, it's something to think about when you're, when you're approaching your own fitness, whether you're injured or not, um, you know, try to, try to think of how can I put my body at its best. And walking is something that I have, even like when people get surgery on their back, I'm like, the best thing you can do is go walk. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am not like immune to back pain. Like my last episode that I had, like it was pretty rowdy to where like I was just doing an air squat and it locked up and I fell right on my back Yeah, and I was antalgic for a few days. Um, like I had a spondy back in high school, which is like a stress fracture. And I didn't know I had it until they x-rayed me in Cairo school. I just thought it was normal to have back pain being bent over a hockey stick and lifting mm-hmm. water heaters at our plumbing company. Uh, but like whenever my back flares up, I just download some podcasts or some audiobooks and I go for a walk. Yeah. Like I think the weekend after that flared up, I did 18 miles of walking in one day and it was like 70% better. <laughs> uh, and so walking is huge. And like, if you look at Nietzsche, like he suffered from chronic migraines and he wrote some of his most quotable works while he was walking. Interesting. Because he couldn't sit still because he would get migraines. So he would just walk for like 10 hours a day mm-hmm. and he would write while he was walking. So some of the most like quoted philosophical um, like text is was done while walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the greatest thinkers in the world walked a lot. Yeah. Uh, like I run ultras now, but I do a lot of walking like to where I'll have at least one day a week where I'm just practicing walking because in a hundred mile race, I'm not going to run the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like you got to train those muscles, ligaments and tendons so under the stresses that they're going to come into contact with in a race. So I'm going to walk a decent amount. Mm-hmm. So if those tendons aren't ready for walking, it's not like walking is the exact same movement pattern as running just slower. It's a completely different gait cycle. So, but it's also less than half the impact of running mm-hmm. like walking is three to four times your body weight. We're running seven to eight. Mm-hmm. And if you got a lot of extra body weight because of some breakfast tacos and bad decisions, uh, and like seven to eight times that, like your cartilage may not be ready for that. Right. And I, I do think that that's part of why Goggins is having some issues is like he weighed 310 pounds at one time. Mm-hmm. And all he did was run to get his weight down to go into the Navy yeah. SEALs. Yeah. Uh, so that he probably accumulated some some pretty good pounding on this tibia and it just like after enough 200 mile races, like it's just going to go. But I, I like what you said there to where like the foundation of all healing and feeling like a good, like, like a good human being is sleep, hydration, nutrition. Mm -hmm. And then I lump stress management and exercise in sure Mm -hmm. because like if if you're really stressed and your job is always red line, mm-hmm. like you probably shouldn't have a red line workout. No. It, yeah. It's like sure. if you're just like so stressed all the time at work and like you hate life after you get done with your job, you probably shouldn't have a sympathetically driven workout to where you go puke on the floor at the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that you should just do Pilates or deep breathing for exercise, right. 
but a walk at lunch would probably be a good thing for you because it's not very stressful. It gives you time to clear your mind and process your thoughts, and especially when you're always go, go, go. Like I will say one of the highlights of my day is when I walk because it allows me time to just think, okay, what are the next moves for either today or tomorrow? And I really try to like use that time to just like, like yeah, because it, it yeah, if you don't, if you don't make that time, like yes, yoga and things are cool too. I'm not going to, shortchange that either but for me walking uh, and I get to be with my dog we walk down the street you know she loves it um so it, it's just a it's a good time uh and I I feel people sleep on walking and they don't realize it's cardio it counts as cardio and uh you know don't don't think it's not work <laughs> and one thing this is kind of a I'll call it a secant uh tangent like thought um, like Stu McGill, you referenced him earlier. He's one of the, he's not a medical doctor, but he's the, one of the leading PhD researchers in uh, like spine health, but he focuses a lot on low backs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a firm believer that people that have the goal to get strong and strength trained probably should not do yoga mm-hmm. because they need to have some degree of spinal stiffness. Right. And a lot of people think, oh, I have back pain because my back is stiff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but usually, like, it's the problem of the neighbors. Like, people are locked up in their upper back and rib cage to where they don't get the movement, kind of like right bo- below where the bra line is, kind of that junction between lumbar and thoracics. Mm-hmm. And then their hips are all locked up. Right. So those aren't moving. So they have to get a lot of excessive movement in the low back. And that's what really creates the problems is a back that moves too much, not a back that can create stiffness and stability. Yeah. I think sometimes too, like I've heard that um, from multiple sources over the years is, is you only need to be as mobile as the type of workout needs, you know? So if you're doing RDLs, you only have to be flexible to that RDL range. You don't need to keep trying to push an RDL into these negative ranges. Sometimes you see people going in these negative flexions and things that, yeah, no. and like if if you and what you're talking about is more of like a Jefferson curl, right? Well, yeah. Jefferson curls are good. Yeah, but like if you're trying to do a straight RDL with a neutral yeah. spine, trying yeah. to put yourself into this negative flexion, it's yeah. It's, and mm. I think Jefferson curls are good for creating tolerance to flexion, right? Uh, because there's a process of rehabbing a chronic gnarly back because it's not just the tissues that adapt, it is the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when every time you bend over, you got laser beams down into your heel, mm-hmm. you're going to be a bit leery of bending forward. So therefore, avoidance of that activity creates weaknesses in the structures that will create a pain-free flexion movement. Yes. Uh, so we need to reduce that threat. And I think one of the turning points when you started to get better is when we started doing some flexion based Mm -hmm. stuff with you. It's true (coughs) because it's like, all right, if everything is just a, like an atrophied piece of garbage (laughs) that helps stabilize you bending forward because we've avoided it due to pain avoidance, um, you have both a physical, incompetency to bend forward, but also a mental avoidance or a fear avoidance behavior of bending forward. Um, like I've had patients want to like leave the office on day one because I want to test their flexion. They're mm-hmm. like, no, I, I fuck up my back every time I do that. Right. I'm like, well, I'm going to make you do that. Right. Like if you're scared 
to do all this stuff, like how are you going to put your socks on? Right. Yeah. Like there's so many movements that involve twisting and maneuvering of the spine. And it's like, you're going to put your grandkids on yeah. a fucking workbench. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's yeah. like, you got to bend forward. Yeah. Like, Cause I, I did, I did benefit from the Jefferson to curl and all of those things. And I wound up doing uh, some RDLs on the slam board. It's not yeah. to say that you should avoid that movement altogether, but definitely, um, it wasn't until like, even now I would say my deadlift is still one of my wicker lifts because I would say I was doing so many other movements besides yeah. moving forward that I would say my biggest barrier is still that flexion position because it's, it's very mental. And, um, one of the most recent PRs at four, I did a four fifty five sumo deadlift with Katie, uh, Katie Sonier. If you follow me, you'll know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we were, we were literally coming off of a dinner. I had a margarita. And so I wasn't really thinking I was literally dressed up and, uh, I wasn't thinking we we're just hanging out and boom, it came up. So the mind thing is a lot bigger, uh, than you realize too, because you're, you're so conscious about avoiding this thing, avoiding this thing. And, um, sometimes that's not the healthiest thing either. I don't, I don't, I don't have a good, I, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying you should go drink a margarita every time you go lift. That's not what I'm saying. Pre <laughs> yeah, no, but, um, sometimes, uh, you might want to assess to like, if you've had an injury or some barrier before, am I allowing that thing to create a resistance to a movement? And, um, it's the same thing. Like I would avoid RDLs a lot. Um, I don't avoid them as much anymore. Um, and I noticed that everything has gotten better in my lifting, including like my squats have gone up again, you know, yeah. and I would say every time I add some new movement that pushes those ranges, um, it inadvertently strengthens other movements. So, yeah. uh, in the, the conditioning thing is key because I read a lot on pain science to where like I try to understand it at a level of depth to where <clears throat> I'm not explaining this to people because they will be bored to death and more confused after I tell them about like pain science. But the simple analogy that I use is let's say we, we compare Victor bending forward to getting like zinging heel pain 50 times in a row uh, to touching a hot burner on a stove and burning yourself 50 times. Like we could unplug that stove and put it out in Victor's driveway and every rational thought in our mind goes, okay, it's not plugged in. It's outside. Like it's not red, but you would still get a little bit of an apprehension to touching that burner if you touched it 50 times in a row. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the things that Victor has in here with the hip thrust, the trap bar, the safety squat bar, the belt squat, that's tricking your brain mm -hmm. and regressing a movement so that you can do the same thing with a little bit of a tweak, but your brain kind of recognizes it as the same fundamental archetype of movement. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm going to touch the burner when it's cold a hundred times. And then we start loading it and it, it just kind of breaks that fire together, wire together expectation of pain. Yeah. I would agree with that statement hundred <laughs> percent. So I, I think that it's important to like, get creative in your training mm -hmm. and like, like it was like three, four years ago, <clears throat> I blew out everything on the lateral side of my knee, uh, meniscus, all the collateral ligaments. Cause I was sprinting with my great Dane. Uh, and he saw a deer and like, just, it was like a pivot shift where I'm like, there's my ACL. It's mm -hmm. gone. 
Um, but I was teaching the next day. Um, I fell four times in the shower. Uh, in I had like 70 doctors in for a course that I was helping teach. Uh, so I, I couldn't stay home. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just had like an ice machine on my knee. I uh, had all the docs check it out, got an MRI of it. ACL was thankfully fine, but I'm like, all right, just another meniscus tear to add to the, to the rung. But I think that injuries are there. They suck. But if you're not on the chess team or you're doing cool stuff, injuries are a part of life. Mm -hmm. And it's how you respond to them is a main thing. Like you can look at things. I know that we did this with you of like, things that you can do right. or things that you are avoiding doing because you, you avoid things you're weak at mm -hmm. or not good at. Mm -hmm. You avoid like what you suck at because you avoid it when you're not injured and you can train at full capacity. Right. So it's like, all right, when, when my knee would go out, if I just stepped on a cord, like I couldn't squat, I couldn't run, um, but I could do pull-ups. I could do handstand push-ups with mm -hmm. a nice creative kick-up. I could actually do kettlebell swings. Right. So I did the 10,000 kettlebell swing workout. Mm -hmm. And by the time my knee healed, like five, six weeks later, like my deadlift went up 40 pounds. <laughs> yeah, so you've made progress even without having yeah. to so do the just, thing. You're using it as an opportunity to work on weaknesses. And when people get hurt, I'm like, all right, make a red light yellow light, green light set of exercises. Mm -hmm. Red if, if it hurts, no matter how rested you are, what the load is, what the range of motion is, like, and it's sharp and shooting, that's a red light exercise. It doesn't mean you're not going to be able to do it again ever. It just means at that point in time, you're not able to do it. Right. Like for you, it was deadlifting and squatting for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then you got the yellow light. It's like if we tweak the range of motion, the load, uh, the cadence, uh, and maybe do some of the modifications that you have in here with different kinds of bars or, or things like that, then it doesn't hurt. But if you put too much load, too much range of motion, too much speed, it hurts. Right. <clears throat> then you just kind of need a backup plan to kind of go, okay, this is our plan B. Mm -hmm. Like if uh, a thruster hurts, then it's like, all right, let's grab a medicine ball. Mm -hmm. And then let's just do a goblet squat. Right. Um, and then your green light stuff is like, for me, it was like I could do tons of kettlebell swings and it didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's probably going to be good to get some hamstring strength to stabilize that outside part of the knee. Right. Uh, but I, I do think that this has been a, a good experience for me uh, just like selfishly because through your whole journey, I learned a lot and mm -hmm. we dug into a lot of stuff and, I think that you can learn something from everybody you come into contact with. So it's been kind of a, a mutually beneficial relationship because Agreed. we kind of learn together mm -hmm. uh, and it's been a, a hell of a journey. <laughs> and I'm glad that I'm talking to you more near the top of the mountain rather than towards the, kinda yeah. at the bottom. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of a Drake song, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh Anything else you want to add, man? Any other talking points? Um, kind of went impromptu. Yeah, it's very unscripted. Um, I would say I, I would probably just touch on that that same thing on um, doing things that are outside of your your typical training, or at least getting curious about them. So I will say uh, 
I'll, I'll shout out uh, to Katie Sonier quite a bit because she helped me a lot with the hip thrusts and, and some of the posterior chain movements. And uh, you should definitely check out her program too. It's really, <laughs> um, but I, I was a little apprehensive for a long time to do hip thrusts. And I don't know why it, I, maybe I felt like embarrassed or, you know, that it's some sort of sexual movement or something. And uh, once I got over that, because most guys aren't hip thrusting, uh, I will say that my, uh, my movements all got better. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes the thing maybe you're afraid to try could be the thing that's going to get you to that next level. And uh, for me in particular, I was having some other issues that were unrelated to back problems at the time. So I, I really couldn't squat that much. I was told not to. And so I was really looking for anything at that point. And I was kind of desperate to like <laughs> make progress because, you know, I was broken for a while. I don't want to be broken again. So um, uh, I found Katie doing hip thrusts and doing some cool posterior chain stuff. It's like, this is exactly what I need. So um, sometimes, uh, you know, don't just think, oh, I always have to do my squat deadlift and press or I always have to, um, I don't know, do a, a, a high intensity workout. Um, maybe you need to go for a walk. Maybe you need to do, you know, some kettlebell swings. Uh, you know, don't don't think that it's always this one narrowly defined path that you need to be on. I think um, it's really easy for us to get in these camps. Nutrition's like that, too, where it's just like I'm going to be so heavily focused on this one thing. and there's everything else is wrong. It's like, no, I don't think that's true. There's lots of, there's lots of benefits to each thing and you should try to find those benefits instead of always like, why do we like this person's doing this thing so wrong? Cause it's not my way. And it's like, mm. yeah, there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think nutrition as well as fitness, like there are some fundamental concepts. It's like, yeah, everyone agrees that we should eat less processed garbage. Mm -hmm. Everyone realizes that we should drink more water. Right. Everyone realizes that we probably shouldn't like just booze it up every single night. Everyone agrees that we probably shouldn't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> uh, but then the commonalities kind of leave mm -hmm. to where it's like, you should eat nothing but plant-based. You should eat nothing but carnivore. You should eat no carbs. You right. should eat like all High this. High Yeah. Like in, you look at some of these like hunter-gatherer communities, like the Hadza is kind of a mix between like lean meat and tubers and they move around a lot. They walk like crazy amounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got like the Inuit where 90% of their cal calories are like straight up fat mm -hmm. and they're both healthy. It's like, okay, they, they all move a lot, right? but they also kind of eat real stuff. Yeah. Uh, but also fitness, it's like, yeah, there are some concepts. It's like, all right, you need to have some baseline level of strength to maintain bone mineral density, to fight off. Um, age-induced sarcopenia or muscle ma mass loss, mm -hmm. um, you probably need good grip strength. Um, but beyond that, it's like, all right, pick what your jam is. And if it meshes with your genetics and your body type and you enjoy it, and, yeah. and you can build a community around it of like, okay, like I like being around these people or I don't like people, I'm an introvert and I can do this at home, mm -hmm. uh, but it works well with my schedule. I can be consistent with it. Uh, I think you just need to kind of find what you like doing, but make sure that there's not any crazy holes in that either. Right. For so sure. that's the difficult part because mm -hmm. it's like, 
all right, if you're not wanting to compete in a sport um, where there's holes in every person, like Usain Bolt, probably not a great distance runner. Right. He's also not good at soccer, which I found out because <laughs> like he's got a scoliosis and a crazy short leg, hmm. but he's really good at running in a straight line with, and a straight line with a little bit of a curve at the end. Mm -hmm. um, but because of his training, like probably doesn't have the endurance for like running a marathon. Right. Even a half marathon would probably be pretty annoying. Like, <laughs> And he's good at starting once, mm -hmm. not stopping and starting 5,000 times in a soccer game. Mm -hmm. But he wins medals and made a living being highly specific, like a specific person, yeah. like with a very Liam Neeson specific set of skills. Mm -hmm. But if you're training to not suck at life, right? like you kind of need to be a generalist. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of CrossFit's origin at the start. Right. But it's, it's a feel. CrossFit has its holes too. Like there's no rotational training in CrossFit. Right. Like if you have a CrossFit person go out and play softball, they're probably going to hurt themselves. Mm -hmm. We saw Rich, we didn't see Rich Froning's really good at throwing because he played college baseball, but like, I think it was Jason Kalipa. Like, they had him throw a softball, and it looked like he was the other-handed. Like, <laughs> right. I could have thrown with my left hand better. Because mm -hmm. they don't train rotation. Right. So there's a gap. Um, so there's, like, the goal is, like, okay, if you get hurt as a CrossFitter, and it allows you to rotate, you should probably, like, look for a gap in the training. And right. go, okay. Where can I improve like, this? And it yeah. also doesn't utilize a lot of single leg stuff other than pistols. And that's not a balance challenge if you're only on that foot for two seconds. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, work on some balance. Yeah. Buy yeah. a slack line. Go play on it. Yeah. Uh, and just treat it more like a, a kid experimenting with different new toys at recess. Mm -hmm. So I think that I learned a lot. You probably learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, w I, I definitely did not. In in 2010-11, doing marathons, I never thought I would be in my garage having all this strength equipment. And um, I think it's just, you got to be curious, right? Like, how can I, like, I, I get the, the, specific, the specificity of a, of a movement. So if you're an athlete that's trying to do something very specific, don't listen to me. But for most of us, I think that are trying to just be better at life, that curiosity about how do I move better? How do I feel better? How do I do those things? Like, don't, don't let that like, don't let that fade. Like there's so many avenues that you can grow and discover and like embrace. Uh, and you might find it's something that you, you really love. Like, I mean, I never thought like million years, I have like this crazy stuff in my garage. So, um, <laughs> well, Rogue is really glad that Victor's experimenting. <laughs> right. I, I think Rogue's, if they went public, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry about that, guys. <laughs> but yeah. So, anything else? Any closing thoughts? Any, uh, um, I do want you to like give people where they can find you on, for sure, online. For sure. So um, I have rebranded. My gym used to be called Amplify Endurance. That does not exist, so don't look for it. Um, my new gym is Iron Zoo. Uh, somebody has the actual at on Instagram. So Iron Zoo Texas is what I've been using. So Iron Zoo Texas. Um, and then if you go to the website, ironzootexas.com, I have, uh, my training program there and, uh, some macro assistance. And, uh, I think I'll probably do a few more things, but right now it's just, it's very focused. So I don't, 
I don't take on a ton of clients. I try to really focus on their movement, their mobility. And one of the things that with the website too is um, I wanted to try to bring the feel of, of what we we're talking about. How, how can I get somebody to move better uh, online without me being present? And so uh, I don't, part of that means I can't help tons of people. I can help smaller segments. So um, I'm going to have uh, one of the things that I'm actually going to work on this week and the next is there's a there's going to be an intro part that kind of goes over some of the movement stuff that I would do in person. So uh, before you even begin the training, I want you to demonstrate, you know, this movement, this movement, this movement, this movement, videotape yourself doing it. And then, you know, OK, have you thought about doing this and this and this? So when I do that, I won't be able to service like hundreds of thousands of people like I can just only help you know, small segments because I'm going to be looking at your movement and helping you move better. So that that's really the hardest thing for me is just I want to make sure to help as many as I can, but I also want the quality to be there. So um, whether you, you know, you can make it in person, which will be pretty tough because I only have morning hours right now. Um, but if you do want to work with me, it would be uh, online would be the best, uh, the next best step. So. And that's one thing that I like about like, cause I've sent Victor a few people over the years and I'm like, he understands that like, um, what you're going through. I've sent him some people that are, um, in pain. They're not where he was at cause not many people have the motivation to do anything, uh, when they're in that much pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I was like, he understands. And I think it's valuable to have that like personal experience and just makes you more empathetic. Mm -hmm. Um, but also the fact that it's not a puppy mill kind of a like, all right, next boom. No. And it, you get some more personal attention and it's kind of like a boutique mm -hmm. style, like VIP like experience. So exactly. Uh, anything else, man? Uh, other than I appreciate that we met, uh, I had like, can you imagine if I didn't wind up having that appointment? Like, this would be a whole different moment in time yeah. I, it's just crazy to me uh i'm, I'm very thankful so it, also you know nick is always very humble about himself but definitely go to a rossi if you're having issues i think this man will take care of you beyond uh it, i think probably the reason that we connect is his 120 percent he applies on his day job so um, i think he gets frustrated because he's passionate about helping people and he wants to see you get better so if he's giving you homework advice uh he's telling you things during the visit it's because he wants to see you kick ass like I have been. So like if you if you're going to see Nick, like you better be ready to do some some work uh, because he's going to give you the tools you need to get better. And uh, if you don't take advantage of that, what are you doing? Like, you know, life's short and you don't want to waste it on pain meds. So. All right. Well, a <laughs> uh, little bit of a caveat, not an Arasi podcast. <laughs> All my words are my thoughts, my sure. opinions, not the opinions of a Rusty. Uh, no, it's all good. Um, but just don't want to get get myself in trouble. Um, we've we've let the the Rusty word slip a few times in the podcast. I think it happens every single time, so you're not alone. Um, but they they do like to make sure that my somewhat colorful opinions. Uh, that can ruffle some feathers or colorful language are my thoughts and my opinions. Um, but uh, thanks for having me, man. It was great to finally see the see the place in person. I'm sure it's gonna it's gonna grow and you're gonna help more people. And I'm, sure. I'm glad you're in a, a good place and uh, you're not 
adding medications or doctor's appointments to your schedule. You're adding plates to the bar. Exactly. It's been, it's been an amazing time. So thank you so much. You bet, man.